Hey, Pastor Stephen here. Welcome to the Abundant Springs podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check us out online at AbundantSprings.Church. And now, on to this week's message. Well, I, I want to start by uh, uh, just sharing a little bit out of the life of, of one of my Christian heroes, and that's uh, a man named C.S. Lewis. Are, are you all familiar with C.S. Lewis, the Christian author, Christian apologist? And, you know, C.S. Lewis had a, a really rough upbringing. Um, he, he ended up becoming an atheist as a, a young man, and uh, if you ever get the chance to read any biographies on him or autobiographies about his journey to coming to faith in Jesus, uh, it's just a, a fascinating thing to read about. But here was this young man without a lot of joy in his life, and then through a number of circumstances, he found faith in Christ, and, and he began to uh, write all these books like the Chronicles of Narnia, which we know, and a number of other books like Mere Christianity, uh, just, just wonderful books to read that, that stand even today in the, the Christian sphere of, uh, of writings. And what's so interesting is, is here is this man that throughout his life was searching for joy, and not only did he find joy in Jesus, but eventually... Come many years into his life, he finally found a woman that he fell in love with named Joy, Joy Davidman. Joy Davidman was an intellectual just like C.S. Lewis. She was a brilliant woman. They fell in love, they were married, but there, there was a problem when they were married, and the problem was that she had cancer. And they faced this, they prayed, and in fact, she ended up recovering. But then a while later, her cancer came back, and, and as they went through the whole process, and he was looking at his, his wife going, I, I just finally, in my life, found somebody to be with, the, the joy of my life, and, and now here she is suffering on her deathbed, and as he notes in his journal, on her deathbed, Joy looked at him and said, I'm at peace with God. She passed away. And C.S. Lewis writes, but I'm not. But I'm not. And he entered a season of turmoil in his faith, a season of wrestling against God. And what's so ironic here is a, a number of years before C.S. Lewis had written the book on Christians and pain and suffering, he wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And in this book, he took a highly philosophical view towards how can God and pain coexist in the universe, and he wrote a, a, a book on how it works. And then this very same man who intellectually had come to the place where he said, yes, this all makes sense, this all works, I'm okay with it, began to question God, began to yell at God. And his faith was shaken. You know, all of us have experienced pain in our lives in, in some sort. Maybe it's pain because of a sickness or a loved one who is sick or has passed away. You know, maybe it's just a physical chronic pain that we go through. Maybe it's a hurt, a relationship broken. Maybe you opened up to someone and they slammed the door in your face. 
I don't know what it is, but, but all of us have experienced suffering and pain and trials and, and all of these things. And, and for many of us, we see this as, as, a, as a huge problem in our life, right? Pain as a problem. Or we'll be talking with others and they'll start to talk about the pain in their life. And maybe they'll say something like, I, I just don't get how God could be allowing me to go through this. Have we heard somebody say that before? Or maybe you've said that for yourself, right? And so what we end up doing is we put all this energy into trying to defend God to other people. Or we get all this, spend all this energy getting all nervous when somebody around us is experiencing pain or weakness or suffering or whatever it may be because we're worried that they're going to ask us the question, you know, why would God let this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? And I think for a lot of us, this becomes something that puts us off of even opening up about our faith, especially in these situations because we're afraid of how people will respond and if we will have the right answer to give to people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I just ask that you will give each of us confidence that wherever we're at in life right now, whether we're going through a difficult season, whether life is just kind of blasé or, or it's something that, that is just filled with joy right now, Lord, we know that there's hurting people all around us. And I ask right now in this place, Lord Jesus, that you will begin to, to show us, to inspire us how it is that we can reach out to these people and see their hearts, their souls come to life, Lord God. Lord, I pray right now that for each one of us that you will send your Holy Spirit, Lord. Send the breath of your Spirit and Fill the dry bones that we see out there and in here. Lord, begin to bring dead things to life and use us as your agents in that, Lord God, that we would begin to see people find the hope and the life that is available to them because of the truth of Jesus. So Lord, today as I speak on this topic, will you take these feeble human words that I'm going to speak and make them something worthwhile through the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, amen. I think for many of us, when we think about pain and suffering, we're tempted to kind of write it off as the great weakness of Christian faith. We think of our pain and our suffering and we go, this is the stuff that shakes people's faith. This isn't the stuff that faith springs out of. And so, so we get really uncomfortable around it, right? Have you ever seen that? You're going through a tough time and all of your Christian friends are like, man, I'll, I'll be praying for you over here, right? I don't know what to do with this. I don't want to speak in this. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I, I, I don't know. And so when, when people are going through a rough time, we oftentimes start, start backing off or we respond in the wrong way. But my goal today is actually to bring across to all of us that what we have been thinking is Christianity's greatest weakness could in fact be Christianity's greatest asset. It could be our faith's greatest asset. See, when we think of going to someone who's hurting and, and 
sharing our faith with them, we, we think of probably a couple different things. One of them is somebody that's just overbearing, you know, heavy-handed, maybe speaking a false gospel of Jesus is going to make it all better, right? And so you walk up to somebody that's in pain, that, that's just going through the ringer, and you're like, well, if you would just serve Jesus. You just need Jesus. That's, a, that's all you need. Now, if they don't punch you in the face, they're probably going to yell at you or never talk to you again, right? Because that's rude. Like, let, let's face it. You're being rude. You're being insensitive. But there's another thing that enters our mind is, what if I just start talking about Jesus and they come back at me asking how a loving God could allow this to happen to them or or questioning us on the reason for their pain and why is God letting this happen? And so we get nervous, right? We start to get fearful. But what I have found and what many others have found is that the vast majority of people going through difficult circumstances, they're not actually looking for answers about God's innocence in the situation. Most people don't actually truly care about that. They may say things that sound like they do, but I guarantee you if you enter into a philosophical explanation as to why it is that God is actually justified in allowing this to happen in their life, they're going to tune you out or they're going to get mad at you because that's not truly the question that they're asking. We as Christians, we like to try to answer questions that people haven't even asked us right? We, we worry, we stress out because we think that we need to answer this question that, that they actually haven't posed to us. The fact of the matter is, is that if we try to answer this question when someone's in the midst of their struggles, it comes off as ignorant. Who are you to talk to me about God? I'm the one going through this right now. Why on earth Do you think that I care about this? How can you say that God is like that? You're not the one going through this right now. But there's another approach to this. See, hurting people aren't looking for us to give them all the right answers. They're looking for people who will listen and wrestle with life alongside them. They're not looking for someone to step in and be like, whew, here we go. Let me launch into that that explanation that I learned in that apologetics course one summer. No, they're looking for somebody just to say, "It's, it's okay, I'm here. You can talk to me. You can even talk bad about my God because I understand that there's pain right now and I'm not gonna jump into God's defense, but I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to love you and I'm going to hear you. And in fact, I'm going to, if you will allow me, share a time in my life that I was struggling and show you how it is that I got through it. See, we get really uncomfortable when people start freaking out at God, right? We think that we need to jump in and save him. The creator of the universe, we need to save him. Yes, it's totally our job. But the fact of the matter is, is that, that we don't need to jump in and save God. We don't need to jump in and go, no, 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 you can't talk about God that way. You're going to get him angry because that, that's not the way that it works. In fact, Matthew records Jesus is saying this, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those that are going through difficult times. Blessed are those that are going through trials. Blessed are those that are suffering. Why? Why? Because they will be comforted. 
They won't be rejected. They won't be pushed away. They won't be ignored, but they will be comforted. And so as we get so, uh, you know, I don't know what to do when people are in these situations, God's just sitting there like, I'm here and I'm okay with it. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to love them. I think some of our view on pain maybe comes down to the way that we've been parented or parent. Um, a number of years ago, Joshua, my oldest, he was dealing with um, ADHD, a severe case of ADHD. He also has OCD and anxiety. It's a great combination, many broken things in our home. And I just remember he would do these things and I would just get so angry. How, why, why would you do that? To the point where I actually couldn't deal with it and I would just tell him, you know what, until you get your act together, just go to your room. Just go. Isn't that our initial reaction when a kid's not behaving, when someone's not doing what they're supposed to? Just go to your room until you can learn how to behave, until you can learn how to be a good civil human being and meet up to my expectations, right? But interestingly enough, I was, I was reading recently uh, some advice that a family counselor gave to one individual and asked them, what do you do when your child acts out? And they, they said this exact same thing. Go to your room. You can come out when you learn to behave. The counselor looked at this person and said, no, no, no. You never send away the hurting. You always bring them closer. You always bring the hurting closer. And that's, that's what God does to us, what he does for us. When we're hurting, we, we get this idea in our minds that if we're hurting and we're acting out and we're going like, God, things aren't right and I don't know what to do next and, and, and I'm having a hard time reconciling you and I don't feel your presence right now, God. We think that God's like, well, tell you what, when you get your act together, I'll come back. But until then, you're on your own. But in fact, what he's doing is this here. He's holding us in his arms. You may not feel it, but if you will allow him to, he steps into our brokenness, he steps into our pain, into our misery, and he holds us close. And even as we're sitting there beating on his chest and weeping and saying, God, why? How could you let this happen? He just holds us and draws us near to himself and says, I love you. I know. I get it. But he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't give up on us but he's there. He's there. And what people really need to hear in the midst of their pain as they're sharing with you is get their permission and just say, can I share with you my story of pain, my story of wrestling with God, my story of having to decide, am I going to rely on him and the way that God got me through it? Can I tell you about how I got through my circumstance? I wouldn't have been able to get through it if it weren't for Jesus. I know right now it seems like you're on your own, but let me tell you, Jesus will walk with you through this because Jesus doesn't send the hurting away. He meets you where you are and he walks through your pain with you. The great truth of the gospel is, is that Jesus loves and accepts you just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. So whoever you are, wherever you're at, no matter what you're wrestling with, Jesus is there, he loves you, he accepts you, and he's gonna challenge you to grow into who you were meant to be, but he's not going to reject you because you're not perfect or because you're struggling. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. 
Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. When we're weighed down with the cares of this world and we don't think that we can get through it, Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Now, we, we like to stop there. Give me rest. He's going to take away all this pain. He's going to take away all this suffering. I'm not going to have to deal with it anymore. And we get all excited and, and we come to Jesus and then we're like, life is still hard. What's going on? But that's because we didn't read the rest of it. He says, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. He doesn't say there's no burden. But in fact, he says that there is a yoke that is put on us. Now, if you're not familiar with what a yoke is, a yoke is basically, uh, in, in this day and age, it would have been a wooden cross beam with a little spot to go onto an ox's shoulders, between their neck and their shoulders, and they would push and pull, I should say pull, against this yoke, and it would either turn something like a grain press or it would pull behind them some sort of farming equipment. Now, what would happen is when you would have a, a younger, weaker, newer, less experienced ox come to, to work, they wouldn't just be like, well, here is your own yoke. Now you go and, and just figure it out. No, what they would do is they would actually take a double yoke and they would take the strong ox and they would take the weak ox and they would yoke them together. And that stronger, bigger, more experienced ox would actually bear the brunt of the load on his shoulders as they walked in tandem together through the difficult process of pulling the, the equipment. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying, I'm going to take away your yoke and I'm just going to give you, uh, you know, roses and sunshine. And I know some people preach that. And, and listen, if somebody does, tell them to fly a kite, run, okay? It's not true. <laughs> There's stuff to look forward to. He's with us in it. But this is the whole thing. He doesn't abandon us. And what would be too big for me on my own is bearable because someone is taking the brunt of the burden and walking with me. I am not alone. And so you see, Jesus doesn't reject you in your suffering. Instead, in your darkest moments of rejection, he joins you. He joins you. He doesn't reject you because he's not, listen, Jesus isn't a stranger to rejection. I think sometimes we think that God just can't get his mind around the idea of being rejected. But he, he is a man of rejection, a man of sorrows. I mean, think about it this way. God creates the world and he, he gives this man and woman everything. And then what's one of the first things that they do? They, they reject God, right? And God doesn't go, well, forget you. No, his heart breaks and he continues to pursue humanity. In fact, the first part of the Bible that we call the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew scriptures. It's everything written before Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. What we read in there is time and time again, Jesus says to his people Israel, come here, I love you. And his people Israel go, forget you. And then Jesus comes to earth. God, God is like, fine, my, my final thing, instead of you guys trying to come to me, I'm going to come to you. And so he's born, and as, he's, as his mother is getting ready to give birth, they go into 
the town where their family is from into Bethlehem and they knock on the door of their family and their family says, I'm sorry, the guest room's full. But if you want, you can sleep downstairs with all the animals. If you have a dog, that would be like, I'm sorry, I don't have a couch available for you. I don't have a bedroom available for you, but my dog has an extra large crate if you would like to live in there. You know? And Jesus is born in a manger. And then he lives this amazing, perfect life. And he teaches people wonderful things. And and he's on the side of the outcast and the rejected. And he's all about love. And he's doing signs and wonders and miracles. And then he gets arrested and tortured. And all the people that were his closest friends, they run away. And in fact, the people who just a few days earlier had been sitting there like, Hosanna, Hosanna, let's make this guy king. He's the Messiah. He's the coming king of Israel. He's going to cast off the, the oppressors, the Romans. Next thing you know, these people are yelling, crucify him. Jesus is not a stranger to rejection, friends. He's been there. He's done that. And he's not afraid to walk with you through it. There's a reason why his name is Emmanuel or God with us. It's because he's not against us and he's not annoyed with us, but he chooses to be with you in your darkest moments. Last year, amongst all of the excitement here at the church, it was an amazing year here at the church, my family probably had the most significant number of big hurdles to jump through that we've ever had. And and I remember just being ripped up inside as each one, we'd think that we'd be past one and then another one would come and we'd think that we'd be past one and and another one would come. And I remember just looking at things going, "I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm tired. And by the fourth one, I was just like, just on my knees, crying, phoning my parents, just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. In the midst of the greatest ministry success we'd had, I was, for the first time in my ministry, like, God, if you have another calling on my life, I'll take it now. And it wasn't until I got over myself and all of my problem solving and all of my desire to take the reins and make sure that everything is running well and and actually just began to say, God, I'm giving this to you and I'm not taking it back. Walk with me in this that, that the weight began to lift and that we began to be able to make it through. And what I've found is, is that coming on the other side of it, and some stuff is still ongoing, and, and there's still that drain that's there, but with God on my side and seeing the way that we've been able to come through and seeing the things that God has been doing in and through this church, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm not going to speak for my wife, but I wouldn't trade it <laughs> for anything. God has been seeing us through, and now I have so many stories that I can share with people that are going through difficult circumstances about the way that God can get me through.
got me through, can get them through. See, your testimony of wrestling with God and receiving his grace is your greatest tool for sharing Jesus. It's your greatest tool for sharing Jesus. The world around us really struggles with Christians that try to make everything in their lives look shiny. They struggle and wrestle with shiny Christians. You know, the the ones everything is perfect. Nothing gets me down. Because of the joy of the Lord, I can be losing a leg and be like, praise the Lord, my leg is coming off. Like they look at that and they're like, you are nuts. You're lying, right? And, and honestly, we probably would be lying if we're like, yes, this is awesome. Praise the Lord. And it's not relatable either because they're just looking at you going, listen, you're either clinically insane, Right? but they will listen to those who genuinely wrestle with and rely on God through their pain. There's a connection. If we listen to them, ask for permission to share, and then share genuinely, I believe that this is one of the most effective ways of sharing your faith. Now, you may be afraid that if you're up front about your belief in Jesus, if you're out there, you're inviting people to church, you're telling people about Jesus, you're, you're sharing the things that he's been doing in your life, that you're going to have to answer all these questions that you don't know the answer to, right? You're, you're freaking out because you're like, man, you know, the last apologetics book I read, it's like 10 years old, and I know that there's new stuff that's come out now, and I'm not sure if I'm prepared. Can I do this? But I actually believe that most people, and this is actually my experience too, is that most people would prefer you to give a genuine, I'm not sure why God is letting this happen, but can I share with you how God walked with me through a similar situation? Then for you to be like, well, according to Barna, and listing a bunch of statistics and things like that. See, most of our encounters don't require us to have the right answers. They just need your honest story. Just a little bit of transparency. I get it. We as Christians, we get uncomfortable with pain. We don't know how to deal with our own. We don't know how to deal with it in others. But listen, don't run away from it. Don't run away from it. Just think, what is your story? Underneath all of the religious practice, uh, underneath the, you know, all the attempts to keep your best foot forward, all your attempts to put on the little mask, you know, we all know that you fought with your spouse and, and that you had a major meltdown at home with the kids before you came to church. You don't need to walk through the door like, everything is awesome. It's not the Lego movie, all right? What's your story? C.S. Lewis, as he was going through um, dealing with the grief of losing his wife, uh, he, under a pseudonym, wrote another book on pain. It's called A Grief Observed. Now it's published under C.S. Lewis, but at the time it wasn't. And he wrote down his experiences. You just see raw emotion on the page. Talks about crying out to God and feeling like the door was shut in his face and and triple bolted. Like there was no answer, like there was nothing to be done. But then you come to the end of the book and, and, and he suddenly 
has kind of this reversal and goes, no, God is good. He's there. And when I don't understand it, I accept it, that good things can come about because of this. Can I share with you that as CS, after C.S. Lewis published this under a pseudonym, he would have friends who would be like, hey, Lewis, this great book just came out that I think would really speak to your situation. You've got to read it. And they would hand him a copy of his own book. Okay. Problem of Pain was an academic work. Okay? Nobody but academics and, and, and the few Christians who wanted to read up on the subject read The Problem of Pain. But a grief observed is something that even today connects with those that are dealing with loss on a deep and visceral level. C.S. Lewis was unable to share in that type of pain and suffering, to emote with it, to connect with people going through those things prior to this situation, but through walking through the situation and coming to a place where he invited God into the situation, he now, years later, well after his passing, continues to make an impact in people's lives because of a book that was honestly, not even originally going to be published. It was him just writing things down as a sort of cathartic exercise and somebody coming and going, you should publish this. No matter how bleak things may seem, there's hope. That's the truth. There's hope because you're not in it alone. You're not carrying the burden alone. But Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest because I will share the brunt of the load. Jesus is with us here now. And let me share with you one day, scripture says he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things will be gone forever. Listen, if we go out there into the world and we tell people just come to Jesus and he's going to fix everything and your life is going to be perfect, nobody will even believe you. And those that do will quickly walk away because they came to Christ under false pretense. But if we're honest with people, I truly believe that we can change our community and possibly even the world. So here's my challenge to all of us today. This week, I want you to take some time to write down a story from your life where God was present with you in your pain, your weakness, or your difficulties. I know for some of us, this will be an emotional experience because we might be holding something down, like, hey, I got through it, I'm, I'm done thinking about it. And to do these sorts of things, you have to come back to that. And you have to ask yourself, how did, how did my relationship with God go through that? Why did I come out the other side still believing in him? And how did he help me through it? but I encourage you, write that down. Maybe you have a few instances, write a few of them down. It's always good to be able to honor and glorify God through these situations. Second thing I want you to do this week is to continue to pray for that one person in your life who needs Jesus. Continue to pray for that person. I'm gonna invite Embry to come back up to the platform in just a moment. She's going to sing a song and and we're gonna open up the, uh, the front here for prayer, for our situations, and uh, for, for anything that you'd like prayer for. But right now, I just want to speak to anyone that's online or here with us today who maybe you haven't said yes to Jesus, 
but you're thinking to yourself, man, if Jesus was willing to be rejected for me, and if Jesus continues to stand by me in my difficulties, I want him. Then I'm going to invite you to, to pray a prayer with me. This prayer isn't anything magical. It's not the thing that does anything in your life. It's literally just us speaking with our lips a reality of our heart that we're giving our lives to Jesus. So will everyone bow your heads in this room, close your eyes, and pray this prayer with me online. You're welcome to pray this prayer with me as well. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Make my life yours. I trust in you. I ask you to be with me. I ask you to change me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with us today and you're here in this room, I'd encourage you to fill out that blue card on the seat, in the seat back in front of you and leave that on the, the chair there face down as you leave and someone will collect those later. If you're online, please send us a message in Facebook Messenger. We want to be able to get a Bible into your hands and partner you with someone that can walk you through some next steps here. We truly believe that the Christian faith is not a journey to walk through alone, but it is one that is designed by God to be done in community.